0: weekday mornings from 10 till 12 this is kclr live
1: yes hello and good morning and welcome along to kclr live this wednesday morning the 30th of August. Well, the Commission for Constituency Review report has been published, and all its recommendations will be this morning by many of our key political leaders here in Kilkenny and Carlo. Malcolm, Minister for Heritage and Electoral Reform, and TD Catalan and from Sinn Féin will be joining us just after 10. But it's not just them, we'll also be hearing from Jennifer Monane O'Connor, John McGuinness, and Councillor Mary Hilda Kavanagh. Well, she says she's shocked and appalled at the recommendations of the, of the Electoral Commission review that and lots more besides after the news at 10 which is read by Ashton Bolton Dowling
0: KCLR Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlow, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie
1: Good morning, welcome along to KCLR Live. Uh, Wednesday morning, Wednesday the uh, 30th of August, just gone five past ten. Our text and WhatsApp lines are open, and no doubt you will need them this morning because we've got a, a show full of uh, local representatives, TDs, counsellors all joining us throughout the morning. You can free phone us on eighty 97 You can text the show on 083 306 9696. That's our dinners ready text and WhatsApp line, or indeed you can email Amy McLaughlin, who's ready to take those emails, KCLR Live at kclr96fm.com A huge amount to come on the show this morning, as it's Wednesday. We'll have our community assist. As usual, we'll be joined in studio this morning by guard Rob Rasmussen to tell us the details of some local events that are taking place. We'll also be talking Airbnb and the value of Airbnb to the, to the uh, community, particularly Kilkenny brought over £9 euros apparently worth of income to the Kilkenny area um, last year. We'll be chatting a little bit later on in the show, as I said, uh, to Derek Nolan. He's the head of public policy at Airbnb. And Carmelo Connor, smart metering manager for ESB, on reports that many people may have to carry out works at their home in order to get a new smart meter installed. That coming your way just after 11 o'clock. But now it's time to open the show with a bit of an opportunity for you to have some fun. <laughs> Yes, all this week our friends at Tremor Amusement Park, they want to thank you all their customers for the continued support through 2023 and to show their appreciation we've got another book of 10 tickets to the amusement park to give away um, this morning. We've had one each day this week and given that there's so much talk of county boundaries and such like this morning uh, we thought the question we'd ask you today is in which county is Tremor? People might not be quite sure at the moment considering um, the Commission for Constituency Review report published this morning which we'll be talking about in some detail but I'm sure many of you still know which county Tremor is in if you know the answer to that question text or WhatsApp us on 083 306 9696 to be in with a chance of winning that book of tickets and don't panic if you don't get in today because we've got more of them Coming your way tomorrow. Now, our first pair of guests this morning have joined me in studio: Malcolm Noonan, Minister for Heritage and Electoral Reform, and TD Kathleen Function of Sinn Féin. And um, back in after being on the Friday panel. Great yeah. to have you back so quickly, Kathleen. Oh, it's great. Were you expecting so to be back in so quickly?
2: No, I definitely wasn't. I was (laughs) expecting the the boundary news all right today. Well, I
1: sort of had you, along with all of our elected representatives on the list for this morning. But Malcolm Noonan is here as well. Good morning, Malcolm. Good morning. Uh, I suppose Malcolm will give the first word to you, considering uh, this is part of your day-to-day job as Minister for Heritage and Electoral Reform. Um, Talk to me about the publications this morning. Were there any surprises in it for you?
3: Certainly. Uh, before I start, uh, I just want to pass on my condolences to the families of those uh, people bereaved in uh, in Tipperary. Uh, again, a second awful tragedy, car accident in Tipper in near care, and uh, just to pass on my condolences to the families involved there. Uh, to go to the Boundary Commission or the Electoral Commission uh, report today. Um, I suppose one, when I established the commission earlier this year. One of its first tasks was to uh, carry out this independent piece of research. It is an independent electoral commission. And uh, what we have uh, this morning is uh, a set of recommendations. That generally, the recommendations are taken as read uh, by uh, the Oireachtas and by government and uh, yeah I mean that was
1: something that we wanted to clear up this morning I mean yeah. they are framed as being recommendations and people will be wondering what happens next but, but it, it's done and dusted yeah basically. they're not
3: challenged I mean they're they're independent yeah. and the, they're free of interference with the political system so I think that's critically important in establishing the commission uh, we wanted to ensure it, it is completely independent as previous boundary reviews has been in the past uh, so we, it's, it's it's landed and obviously it's almost like they'll even search results where all the politicians are opening the report to see what's in it for them <laughs> and am I doing higher level I lower level next uh, term exactly and so <laughs> oh <know>, my god <laughs> oh my god and and you know they suppose there's there's winners and losers up and down the country but it is critically important for our democracy that uh, the, you know this is uh, part and parcel of it uh, in terms of who represents us in the Dáil and uh, had the, the balance and the, and the fairness of that representation we have a PR system in Ireland yeah. which uh, we hope to ensure uh, a yeah. fair balance of political parties and a cross uh, balance of political parties and I think you know th- that it largely uh, it served us well uh, mm. to date and, and just think-
1: to f- just to frame this for listeners this isn't politicians you know fiddling with the numbers here or there it's part of our constitution I mean we have to have have between 20 and 30 uh, representative for between 20 and 30,000 of each block of of our population. That's it.
3: Article 16 uh, to 2 uh, of the constitution dictates that and each uh, year each five year cycle the uh, the review is triggered by the census. And yeah. and I think you know we've had a huge explosion of population in our country, you know, bucking ma- in many cases a European trend. Every uh country has its own way of of uh, determining the representation of uh, people to uh, parliamentarians, and this is the way we do it, and it's uh, it's it is robust and it is uh, balanced. But maybe, perhaps, people this morning waking up may not see it as as fair for their area.
1: Well, we'll come to Kathleen in just one moment. I just want to ask Malcolm one more question. Could you see a situation in the future where maybe we need a referendum to look at those details that are contained within the constitution?
3: Yeah, I, I, I've I've written earlier this week about that. I do think that we perhaps need to give consideration. Our, you know, as Artillery, the chair of the the CEO of the Commission, has said our country is increasing at a population of two TDs per year so <laughs> everyone would be delighted <laughs> I'm glad you said that before I did Catherine. <laughs> so uh, I do think perhaps we need to give consideration at looking at other jurisdictions um, and and perhaps putting a cap on the number of, uh, on the on the size of Aaron. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, I think also, I think the chair of the commission this morning, Mary Baker, has spoken about uh, perhaps six-seater constituencies, which wasn't in the legislation on this occasion. So mm. the, the commission didn't have the opportunity to consider six-seaters. And this, it's, it's considering three, four, five-seater constituencies yeah. and had to find uh, upwards of 20 additional seats. In the end, it opted for the lower end. It went for 14. And uh, that's what we have before us this morning.
1: Okay, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to read as it stands what the current configuration was. Um, For people waking up this morning, they may not have heard the news, and we'll tell them what the new configuration is going to be. So currently, um, Kilkenny-Carlo stands as a five-seat constituency consisting of County Carlo and County Kilkenny. The recommendation, however, suggests a five-seat constituency of County Carlo and County Kilkenny, except for 13 EDs which are electoral districts in the western part of County Kilkenny which will be transferred they'll be going blue and yellow um, to North Tipperary which is a new constituency Kathleen um, first of all were you surprised that the existing kilkenny Carlow constituency wasn't divided up into two separate constituencies
2: Um, First of all Brian I just want to join up Malcolm with uh, sending condolences to to the family in Cashel and I also think like the tragedy last week when you hear news like that it puts everything in your life and, and yeah, into perspective. So, so I young was thinking people. about that as I because the two news stories were coming in at the same time. So just to, just to say that first, um, I was very surprised. I'm going to be 100 percent honest. I really believed that we were being split into two constituencies, one for Carlo of three seats and one for Kilkenny of three seats. And I suppose I thought, given the, the emphasis on the county boundaries, that that's what they would look for, because now I um, but I don't think it's necessarily it's not a whole lot different. Mm. So I don't think it it, it it impacts us hugely. However, I don't like the idea of a small part of any county going into another county, because I think it's a population of around six thousand people. Roughly is what they're talking about. So that I feel in those situations because we had that in Carlo for a very long time with the Carlo Wicklow connection for years, yeah. that little section often gets disenfranchised because at their Kenny for a local election. Um, and I'm correct on that, I think, aren't I? Yeah. And then for a general election, they're Tipperary. Yeah. So it's sort of, you're kind of, you wonder, because in a way now we're three like the the talk of the respecting the County Boundaries but actually we're kind of three counties now. Well, that's what I found. I found that
1: slightly slightly contradicting in in one of the paragraphs that was published in the report. It says, some submissions called for the County of Carlow to form the basis of a new constituency with transfers in from other counties and the Commission did consider dividing Carlow Kilkenny constituency into two three-seat constituencies based on their respective counties. However, County Carlow's population of 61,000 968, round about 62,000, is insufficient to support a standalone constituency and this approach would give you rise to the basis of boundaries of adjacent counties. So, in one sense, they talk about respecting those county boundaries and yet, in the case of West Kilkenny, They've taken a, a whole chunk of those populations and said, "Well, apart from Ulah into Tipperary, should that be something that has happened?" Do you think,
3: Malcolm? Well, th- the fact is, it's happened now, and it's in this set of recommendations that will uh, be accepted and. Um, I know certainly people uh, who are seeing this this morning from that part of County Kilkenny are going to feel disenfranchised as Kathleen has said Mm. but that's what we have to work with now and you know I think the Commission was constrained in the fact that it only had the the option of opting for three, four, five-seater constituencies. I think Art O'Leary has on numerous occasions said that six-seaters would have made their job, their task easier and you, you probably would have seen uh, Carlo Kilkenny perhaps move to a six seater constituency without any loss. But why oh, not just oh.
1: respect those county boundaries and do as many people thought they were going to do and just say Kilkenny, Kilkenny three seats, it, Carlo, Carlo three because there's, three there's seats. so many
2: other areas like Wexford Wicklow now. I think have there because I'm just reading it, so I'm if I'm wrong. But it's on only, it's anything, only been it's been out yeah, in less than two but hours but Wexford now. At and this Wicklow stage. have like their own four seaters but then they have a combined. One of well, mm. Wexford, that's three, yeah, seats. yeah, that's, it's, that's it's like North so Wexford and, but I, and I South Wicklow. That the six-seaters six could have been a really good um, solution in lots of areas, and it could have given um, pro- maybe a better divide for people here as well. Because I know historically people feel like that at times, you know? yeah,
3: and, and the six-seaters too are reflective, much more reflective of our PR system. Um, you know, I think one thing, uh, when we established the commission we want to ensure the commission does a, a bigger piece of work around participation in politics around mm. minorities to, to be active in politics around more women we have got 22% representation of women in the Dáil which is way too low and you know there's plenty of middle aged balding men like myself in the Dáil you've more hair <laughs> <heard> than me <laughs> <laughs> but, but there the, we do need uh, to have a Dáil that is much more reflective of, of the Ireland of today Yeah. and I, I do think that um, larger multi-seat constituencies uh, are more reflective of that uh, but look this is what we have and this is what uh, the legislation uh, gave the parameters to the commission for. Therefore we, we have to work within it and I know it certainly um, I, I think even I, I do recall when we were when we were moving the legislation uh, we did in, insofar as possible uh, want to ensure that we respected the integrity of county boundaries but there are, uh, the, the commission had to deal with the maths on yeah. this and, and that's that's, that's a res- what we see coming forward in the report today. We'll,
1: we'll talk about the disenfranchisement of the, the um, voting public because we, we have heard yesterday Edwina Grace was out and about for example in South Kilkenny, people in and around the Ferrybank area really don't know where they belong, you know, are we Kilkenny we feel, you know, underrepresented by our representatives from Kilkenny but we're not Wicklow, or sorry we're not Wexford or Waterford so we can't go down there either um, it's, it's a huge thing that disenfranchisement and I think there's a possibility that come the next election, people in Carlow may have been hoping or expecting to have two or three of their own TDs currently we've only got one from the carlo area as part of our five elected representatives do you think there's any danger that uh, the people of carlo may revolt if you like in the next election and uh, and really turn their attention towards you know those carlo representatives hoping to get onto the ballot
3: well i mean th- People of Carlo have five TDs. I I spent a yeah. lot of t- time in Carlo. Kathleen is very active in Carlo as well. And you know, I think that's it's it's always um, I'm always at pains to point that out. Yeah. And they I expert. mean, somebody like
1: Pat Deering for example, last time around, who obviously um, ran on the Fianna ticket and is from Carlo. And I know, you know, you you guys will always testify and suggest that, regardless of where you actually live, you're there to represent all of your and constituents also as
2: well. I would say, like, you have to have someone who's motivated for the right reasons and have the right policies. So, like. I am like, I have a kind of a number of mixed views on those points you just made, because I do think that like for somebody that's new or different and like what Malcolm is saying about more women, more minorities, it, we do need kind of larger seat constituencies. So in that regard, and I think I said this last week briefly on the panel, that like a five seizure, like for example, I look at myself when I was first elected, it was much easier to break into a five seizure than it would have been for a three-seater. And we discussed that, we did discuss that obviously, you know, if we go to two,
1: three-seaters, it's gonna sort of block it up.
2: I can say for the amount of years I've been elected and involved, I don't see a government that I feel represents the, the type of things i would like to see happen and so i i we can get too obsessed as well and we're all guilty of this of where is somebody based where are they from so even if you're from kilkenny you can only ever be from one place in kilkenny you know what i mean so or, or from Carter you can only ever be from one place in that so i think you have to look at policies and and the overall what what's government trying to achieve or what that party is trying to achieve yep. and not get too i understand that that's sort of nearly a a thing that's kind of within us in terms of county boundaries and, you know, from sport and everything like that. But you do have to look at the the bigger picture at times. And I would say, like, you know, in terms of running clinics and in terms of having an office presence, we've always been 50 50. And, um, you know, I just I just think that 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 is important. But I do understand as well where people are coming yeah, from yeah. with that. Do you know what I mean?
3: Yeah, I agree with Kathleen. The other c- critical point here is that the people of Carlo have excellent local public representatives. We are national legislators, Lynn and I. Our job primarily is to legislate in our doll. And I, do, I, th- I think we do need, uh, in tandem with this, and again, I want to, you know I think the Commission has an important role here, we do need to strengthen local government, mm. yeah. and we do need to strengthen the powers of local government. I mean, we lost a tier of local government back in 2014, our borough and our town councils, which had autonomy, and I think Carlo lost it at Kilkenny as well. So I do think critically important to this is that is to value our local representatives who are representing so it- their communities really, really well in Carlo and Is it
1: maybe then a danger that it's actually going to be the local councillors who may feel disenfranchised? Because we had Dennis Hines on the show earlier in the week talking about the, the school bus situation, mm. you know. Dennis was on the same show last year talking about the school bus situation and Dennis made the point that he doesn't seem to be getting anywhere and he's obviously trying to escalate, if you like, the complaint up through the powers and um, and he sort of felt that, that you know, maybe... You know, greater localisation of that national representation might help that, but that's yeah, not that's going exactly to be the case. We, need.
2: we do need, because um, I mean, we were myself and Malcolm were both on the borough council, and that was the first council I was ever elected to. So, like, it was. It's really hard to describe it. It was just totally different in terms of the representation for Kilkenny City. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. And it would have been the same, let's say, for Carlow Town and lots of other towns throughout the the whole country. So we do need, like, a certain amount of power has been taken away from local representatives. And I think that in conjunction with, because ultimately you need good government nationally because you need good policies. So I think you you need to have the the two, but you can't kind of nearly do one without the other. So I do think we need... um, kind of better powers for our local councillors because they are often in a very difficult situation as well because, you know, they're trying to represent their areas and then they are being kind of hamstrung by, by certain rules. and well, I mean, Mary,
1: Mary Hilda Cabinet is coming on with us later on. I mean, she's already said this morning that, uh, quote unquote, that she's, she's, uh, shocked and appalled by the recommendations that all of that West Kilkenny area from Tullaroan right up through Freshford up to Liz Downey um, will now be part of that new North Tipperary constituency. Malcolm, what would you say to the people of that area yeah, who I are mean, concerned yeah. this morning that their, their, their fears, whatever it might be dealing with, yeah. uh, won't be adequately dealt with.
3: Yeah, and you won't, certainly won't find a greater example in Ireland of a, of a, of a local public representative than Mary Hilda Cavanagh. And, um, you know, I, at the same time, uh, the people of, of that part of, of, of Kilkenny are still well represented at local authority level. And, you know, I do think there's no doubt I, I, the, the Commission had a difficult task in trying to do them... in configure the numbers yeah. in terms of population uh, and try and, and be as fair as balanced as possible in terms of trying to minimise three-seaters uh, and and keep and they, they did in fairness maximise uh, as many as they could five-seaters but there is an increase in in, um, in three-seaters as well which in my view uh, you know is, is more we would say or see favouring the the lar- the three larger political parties Sinn Féin, Fian and Fianna Gael but you know this is what we have in front of us and I think we all have to work with it um, I, I welcome the fact that Mary Baker has stated this morning that the commission will look and I will be writing to the commission to look at, at multi-seat constituencies um, and uh, into the future and to look at other jurisdictions how, how best mm-hmm. we can we can uh, make that representation and uh, respect the integrity of county Well that
1: conversation is going to continue right throughout the show this morning because in, in the balance of fairness um, in a couple of moments time we'll also be joined and on the phone by uh, Jennifer M- Murnane O'Connor and John McGuinness and as I said Mary the cabinet will be joining us a little bit later on in the show on the phone as well. But if you wanted to get your thoughts in, 083 wait, three three oh six nine six nine six is our dinners ready text and WhatsApp line. Uh, Kathleen, just coming back to you for one last thought. Uh, good for you.
2: I think to be honest, it's it doesn't. For us electorally, this time around in Carlocal Kenny, it doesn't make a huge difference. Our You're band, allowed to
1: say it. you think it's good for you. Yeah. you, good for you.
2: <laughs> but you see, I have been in the situation where we've experienced devastating local election and a general election where everyone was writing us off. And yeah. then, you know, we didn't even see it ourselves. So I, I'm always reluctant. Because I've seen, and then I've ran in so many elections where we didn't get elected and we had no representation. So I've seen all, sorts all sorts. Of sides of it, I- you know. But I do just to say, like our plan will be to to run a candidate in Carlo and to to run a candidate. Here, obviously, probably myself in Kilkenny, no one would be shocked to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah. Malcolm, and, uh, apparently, <laughs> no. That's that's uh, that's uh, and that would have been our plan if yeah. we were two, three seaters as well. So in that regard, but I do have a huge amount of empathy, and I understand around the commission and the difficulty and everything. But I do have a huge amount of empathy for that section because they, that disenfranchisement. You know that you feeling disenfranchised like that is yeah. is not is not a good thing for politics at all.
1: And Malcolm, my final question for you sort of expands out and looks more nationally. Um, a, a lot of these new TDs um, are east coast based. You know, Dublin the commuter belt area. That's is correct. it further yeah. going to weaken um, the representation of, of of rural Ireland in the Dáil? when they all eventually take their seats at some point in the future?
3: Th- this is the, big, the big, big unknown here. And I, I think critically important uh, for me in establishing the Commission is to ensure that our, uh, we uh, s- start looking at the focus of our national legislator and us as legislators, as national legislators, regardless of where we're from, where, you know, government and opposition, whoever is in power or whoever is in opposition, that we can be an effective legislator. Uh, but I think critically too to strengthen local government, to give and, you know, I would love to see the reinstatement of borough and town councils and to devolve power back down locally where it belongs. Okay. So, you know, the dynamic of it will play itself out in the 34th Dáil. Uh You know, it'll it'll be interesting as we head back in after summer recess to see the dynamic in the next number of weeks and how the debates... Will uh, strengthen
1: play. the case for a new farmers party as some people have been calling it
3: I think the farmers are, are you know I think they're well represented and I, I you know I saw, I saw what happened in the Netherlands there's a lot of uh discord over the Nitrates director and over a lot of what's happened in nature restoration but i do think um i, I think I, I don't know if there's a space there for another political party uh, currently well the greens
1: definitely wouldn't want the farmers party well, involved no, in the we, discussion you know, would
3: they we, we we'll stand on our own on our own policies i think we've you know we've we've represented rural ireland very well over the last uh, uh, since since the start of our existence and and particularly uh, in government and I, I would i would stand on a record on that but uh, you know it's, yeah, it's going to be an interesting yeah. dynamic it's Probably governance. good
2: for independence as well just to throw that in Yeah, yeah. I mean it's the point we were making yeah. last week on the Friday yeah. panel
1: it leaves that sort of that wider landscape yeah, yeah. for them all to get involved in. well as I uh, said the conversation will continue after the break we'll be talking to Jennifer Mernane O'Connor and uh, TD John McGuinness both of them joining us after this short break for, for now uh, Malcolm Noonan Minister for Heritage and Electoral Reform and TD Kathleen Function of Sinn Féin thanks very much for your time this morning Thanks Thank you KCLR. You're very welcome back to KCLR Live this Wednesday morning with Brian Redmond, right the way through until 12 o'clock this morning. Now, we're continuing our debate, our discussion on the findings and the report in terms of the uh, redrawing of county boundaries when it comes to our next general elections. Because this morning, the Commission for the Constituency Review report was published and if you haven't already heard, 13 of the electoral districts in West Kilkenny will now form part of a new North Tipperary constituency. We've already spoken this morning to Malcolm Noonan and indeed Kathleen Function And joining me now on the phone line, we've got Jennifer Murnane-O'Connor, TD and TD John McGuinness. Good morning and welcome along to both of you. John, Good morning. John if I come to you first of all, were you shocked uh, by the, the news this morning?
4: uh no, because um well, a shocked to a certain extent, but when a review of constituencies takes place, you can expect anything um but I suppose when you reflect on the fact that this review was to consider the you know the maintenance of county boundaries Carlo Kilkenny, in this case uh and the threat has always been in the past or at least up to now. That part of the constituency in Waterford in South Kilkenny would be lost to Waterford, and instead, what has happened, a significant part of North Kilkenny has been lost to uh, Tipperary. I'm sure all the GAA clubs up there in North Kilkenny, as it is in Waterford at the time of their campaign, (laughs) would be quite upset about going into Tipperary. Um, But on a serious note, it disenfranchises. It it does disenfranchise um, people to an extent where. There is a county boundary. There is loyalty to a particular county, and then you're transferred, um, and that can cause a lot of um, you know political friction. It can cause all sorts of friction within communities, where you have councillors that are you know representing people in Carlo in Car- in this case in Cuckney County Council, um, and then the TDs are actually in another county, another constituency. Same county, different constituency. So, mm. look, it, it's it's part of politics. Um, I know that every CD will now focus on their own constituency uh, and begin to look to where they can replace the votes that perhaps they have lost.
1: And Jennifer, coming to you, I mean, some might contest this morning that you're sitting pretty, feeling nice, relaxed and comfortable. I thought uh, I'd sort of discomfort you a little bit by putting the first of our questions from listeners uh, to you, if that's okay. Anne has asked, will anything change with this the parcel, as she calls it? Will service improve health, etc.? She has her own ideas, of course, does Anne. Good morning to you, Anne. Um, But really, to the people on the street, Jennifer, is it going to make any real difference?
5: Well, look, first of all, I think, you know, we're all, uh, you know, review is such a serious thing for Carlo and Kilkenny. And again, like John, I feel like the people in North Kilkenny um, have been very much being affected by this to lose nearly six and a half thousand votes into North Tipperary. I mean, that itself brings challenges. So I think we're all, (laughs) you know, I, I think myself, look, I mean, I believe as a government, we, you know, we are working on policies. Um, I know as a Carlow, um, and I would always highlight Carlow. Um, as I said, I, I am the Carlo Kilkenny TD. Um, oh, you are the I Carlo Kilkenny. I, I like the
1: way I like the way Kikini. you phrase that. You are the Carlo Kilkenny. I think some of the others, John I guess you might you might argue with that today. Are you not a Carlo Kilkenny TD, John?
4: I tell you, the beauty about being a Carlo Kilkenny TD—that's our constituency—is that when something like this happens, your focus in the previous years in terms of your representation both locally and nationally, has also has always been to both counties. So you you tend to be known much more in both counties because you have focused on both counties. If you were a TD that had focused narrowly on your local base and general area around that, well, then you, you'd be very disturbed by this morning's news. Mm. Um, but in in more recent, well, since I was elected, I've always put myself forward as a Cardiff and Kennedy, uh TD, um, that's the constituency that we represent, and then I take that nationally, uh, and I represent people at national level in relation to many of the national issues. It depends on what your style of politics is. So if you're if you're narrow in that view, and you're more parochial uh, in in what you're doing, well then this would definitely upset you. Um, but as I say, Carlow Kenny is is a huge constituency. Um, stretches right down to Waterford and over to Wicklow and the other sides and Leash and Tipperary and so on um, so what Clarock kilkenny constituency TDs will do now is look at the losses and then try and replace whatever they've lost mm. but as I said to you it, it is significant that you know the likes of of, um, of Freshford, and I'm just picking out the, the bigger populated areas here uh, Johnstown, Orlingford and so on and all that hinterland around there has all been just moved to a different constituency. I think that, apart from what politicians will say about it, I think that local people will be furious over it. When I attended the public meetings in South Kilkenny about the possibility of the change of county boundaries down there, you you have to be in the room to feel the passion uh, of being loyal to your county, of not wanting to go elsewhere, and the GAA was central to that communities were central to that uh, and everything comes into it and the rivalry between <coughs> the Kenny and Tipperary and the hurling field is legendary so uh, you know they will feel pretty um, I'd say disgusted by the decision this morning yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'd love to hear a lot more from them
1: um, Jennifer just to go back to you um, we've had contact in obviously from <laughs> Arthur MacDonald as well um, I'm sure it's a point that you would agree with because Arthur says that Carlo has been in his words gerrymandered for years and years and years, no funding for Carlo from Kilkenny TDs, as he puts it, over his thirty-six years. No Kilkenny TD has ever stood up and shouted for Carlo. Jennifer, you're—I don't mean this to sound bad, but you're in a privileged position as far as the people or Carlo are concerned to be um, a local representative from the local area. Has has Carlo been gerrymandered again? Do you think?
5: Well, look, I I think, first of all, and and look, I represent Carlo. Look, I am a Carlo person, born and bred. and very honoured to be uh, Carlo Kilkenny TD. What we would have seen for years, like, if you look at the last census, Carlo has grown by nearly 9%, Mm. a lot more than Kilkenny has. Then there was speculation, and it was right, by the way, but it was only speculation, that Carlo wants to become a three-seater. So that in itself, then, would have brought huge challenges, um, which a lot of people, you know, I felt, look the more representation we have for carlo the better. Yeah. We are now a, a, a five seater. and um, I think that in itself would bring challenges as John has said. Um, I think the fact that we are over 60,000 population we have grown so much that it is important as Arthur has said that we do have representation from carlo and I know everyone works together. I'm not here to to say that that isn't happening, but I know I very much focus on, you know, carlo and I also work with Kilkenny because I'm people ringing me from Kilkenny. But for me now, we need to make sure that we have as much representation as we can in Carlow. And for me, that is is hugely important. But again, look, it is, you know, up up today, I think, as I said, there was such speculation. I was nearly sure, and there was no leaks from the commission, by the way, from all the papers I was reading over the weekend, listening to the radio, Carlow was going to become a three-seater. So for me today, when I went online to read, we were staying a five-seater, which, look, is it's fine. We'll all work together. We have to work, and I know I will as well. But, I mean, I was disappointed for Freshford, Irlingford, all you know, all that area, because they are affected. Communities are affected. I mean, they know their councillors. They work with them. So that has a huge effect on them. So like that, I understand, you know, where that's coming from. So, look, we are where we are. We just have to keep working. Um, the main thing for us now is, and for me, is to rep- representation uh-huh. to represent the people and you know and, and and that's that's the way forward now we don't know when we're going to have a general election no one knows when that's going to happen um but i am glad carlo did hold its own and um, there was the concern for me at one stage that we moved uh, there was so much speculation again it was all speculation so today look we just we have what we have i am very disappointed uh for parts of pikenny there's no question about that but we just have to move forward now and work on policies work on legislation and for me Carlo is a key priority, and as I said, working with with Kenny as
1: well. And John, just coming back to you, um, uh, you might you might be um, want to know this that a lot of people actually, when they text me in relation to anything John McGuinness concerned, they text me as John Mack, But this is a very um, very supportive message. John Mack is the only politician representing constituencies. But somebody said to me this morning, John McGuinness, that uh, oh, John McGuinness won't be happy. That's a very strong area of McGuinness that's now gone off uh, to North Tipperary to form that new constituency. Is John McGuinness this morning disappointed to see and maybe slightly concerned from his own perspective um, that that large swathe of, of North Kilkenny won't now form part of his area?
4: I'd be just concerned to the extent that they've breached the county boundary and they've cut deep into uh, North Kilkenny and knowing the background as I've outlined to you already in terms of your loyalty to county, loyalty to GAA and all of that that goes with it. Um, that would affect the people of North Kilkenny that have now been transferred uh, to Tipperary. As for my own uh, position, you're always concerned going into an election, so I'm, I'm not dismissing that for one, for one minute. But there is, you know, the rest of the county that has to be served. There is the rest of Caro that has to be served, uh, and serving it as a Carlow Kilkenny uh, TD, which I when I was elected in '97, that's how I set out my stall and I continue to do so, I will represent those people. as of these, those that come to me from the, the area that has now been transferred to Tipperary, I continue to work for them because I consider myself to be a national public representative. And I would say to Arthur MacDonald um, in relation to the funding and what went on, Carlo has come on in leaps and bounds and has got a huge amount of funding and I always did by comparison to uh, county population, so currently is at sixty one thousand nine hundred sixty eight. There is a growth, growth of five thousand and thirty six, and Cuckney at one hundred and four thousand one hundred sixty, and that's an increase of four thousand nine hundred twenty eight for us. So therefore, you, you you have to to fight on the basis of that, and I have always I have always done that. Now I suppose it's a political uh, ploy as well when you're seeking funds to say, oh, we're deprived of we're this and we're that. Uh, But we get our fair shake-shake of the various budgets that are there. And there will always be the case that you will have to continue to fight hard for the people you represent, to fight hard for the budgets that are on offer, and to make sure that you get more than a decent slice of that national cake. And that's what being an active public representative is all about, regardless of the constituency that lies underneath that. So I look to my constituency of Carla Kilkenny, uh, South Kilkenny, the remaining part of North but I will service all of Cardo and Clogherney, even the part that has gone to Tipperary, and I think that that's hugely important. And
1: Jennifer, what would
4: you... Sorry, I John. think we're wrong to cut, uh, to cut so deep uh, into Clogherney in the way that they did.
1: And Jennifer, what would you say to those people in those 13 electoral divisions um, in the western, northwestern part of County Kilkenny who this morning are, are probably even asking questions like if I've got a problem with the road, and I know it won't affect this, but people may have these concerns. Am I calling you know, a North Tipperary County Council? Am I calling a Who do I ring? They're going to feel really sort of um, a little bit at six, sixes and sevens this morning. What would you say to those people um, in those 13 electoral divisions?
5: Look, I think, in fairness to them, I think this is very disheartening. I think there will be confusion. But I know their are local councillors and TDs, as I would, and I will represent them, as will, you know, their new TDs that will come in. Look, it takes time. I see it in Grey Cullen itself, where part of Grey Cullen borders leash. And there's still confusion there, because you have councillors from Carlo trying to help you, councillors from leash. So that is the confusion, and that's on every border. I think no matter where you live across the country, I think there's always huge issues when you come to an end of a county and you have been moved into another area. You know, I think there is. So I just say, look, the, the main thing is, as as I would agree with, like all of us will represent them. And I know that the five TDs in and Carlo Kilkenny will certainly do what we have to do for them, as will the North Tip when they go into. So there is the confusion. But again, everybody, you know, it takes time. It's mm-hmm. disappointing because you need to know who you're working with. And just going back to funding and, and just what John has said, when I became DD, and, and I can say this, and uh, you know, Carlo um, funding for Carlo was, I felt should have been a lot more than was. And I know working with CDs and myself representing Carlo, we now in the last few years have got funding, but our capital funding, our project funding for Carlo, was not what it should have been. And at least now I can say, with the projects that are happening in Carlo, there has been a huge increase in them. And there's not a day goes by that when I would be in Ireland, and I'm known for it, that I would mention Carlo, 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 as I would mention Kilkenny sometimes, <laughs> because I do believe, as Arthur had said, Carlo needs a lot more funding than what it's getting. And if you compare us to, to Kilkenny, and I also represent Kilkenny, Carlo was always on the back foot. And I would have said this publicly, I would have said it to the Tomster, I would have said it to the Taoiseach at the time, and we are doing well. Now we need a lot more, we're lot. our projects are starting to come on, we have the new chief executive coming um, on the 11th of September. So good things are coming. And for me, my priority for Carlo um, was to make Carlo a university town. That is something that I concentrated on. Yep. I was a senator. I was a TD. So we now have good things coming for Carlo. But it was a while coming, and it didn't come overnight. So I am glad now that I am in the position that I have represented the people of Carlo. I've brought a lot of funding. There's not a day goes by that I don't mention Carlo in. In and you know what I will continue to do so I will continue to work for the people of Carlow and and I will absolutely do whatever I can and any of those people as as John has said in those 13 districts it's going to be hard because I know myself I see it in my own area and like when you're border or when you're in or going into a new area it brings a lot of challenges a lot of like do I go here for funding if I go for a grant where do I go to because yeah, yeah. a lot of challenges will come with this okay
1: yeah. as always so yes yeah. To both of you this morning for your time. Thank you very Thank much you. Jennifer Maneno O'Connor and uh, John McGuinness both TDs of course in the Carlo Constituent Carlo Kilkenny constituency. It is a uh, quarter to 11 this morning and uh, we'll be right back with you after this short break.
0: KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie.
1: KCLR. Yes, you're very welcome back to KCLR Live. Do keep those texts and WhatsApps coming in. So many people commenting on the value of our TDs, the work they do. Some commenting on the work that they should be doing, perhaps. But um, most of them that we've spoken to this morning, at least accepting, seeming possibly happy um, with the uh, recommendations from the Commission this morning. As I said, though, somebody who's definitely not happy is Councillor Mary Hilda Kavanagh. Um, as I said, she said she's shocked and appalled at the recommendations of the Electrical Commission review. She'll be joining us around about 20 past 11 to give us her views in person. But now, at uh, 13 minutes to 11 o'clock, it's time for our Community Assist. KCLR.
0: Community Assist with Carlo and Kilkenny Gardy,
1: And we're joined in studio for Community Assist this week by Garda, Rob Rasmussen. Good morning, Rob. Morning, how are you? Um, busy week?
6: Yeah, busy now. I've, uh, kept going with a few things, yeah.
1: Yeah <laughs> <laughs> Kept going with a few things. But you're here to tell us about some of those few things we're going to kick things off with uh, going back to the 24th um, just almost a week ago a theft from MPV that's in uh, Dunmore in Kilkenny
6: Yes, yeah, the Gardaí received a report that the injured party uh, um, noticed items missing from his vehicle, mechanically propelled vehicle. This occurred between 5.22am and 0.40am on the 24th of August. An amount of cash was taken from the injured party's car. Gardaí are appealing to anybody who was in the area and may have noticed suspicious activity at the time to contact them at Kilkenny Garda Station on 056 777 5000, please.
1: And also moving on, another mechanic mechanically propelled vehicle, um, but this time in the, uh, the Weir Castle Comer. Again, same date though, 24th. Yeah,
6: that's right. Um, it was on the 24th that they received a report that the injured party, in this case, had unlocked his vehicle at 7.05am and returned at 17.30am and discovered a number of items missing from his car. Amount of cash was taken and the suspect made good his escape. Again, you're appealing to anyone in the area who may have noticed something suspicious to contact Kilkenny Garda Station on 56 775000 and we just want to remind everybody that always to check their vehicle whether it's lo- that it's locked the night before and in the morning. These were very opportunist uh, crimes, and they can be prevented by just a couple of seconds of making sure the car is locked.
1: Yeah, I mean, Gary, Andy Neal was telling me a stat a couple of weeks ago that he, I think it was about thirty percent, three in ten cars are either consciously or unconsciously left unlocked overnight. I was shocked at that.
6: That's it, and it's just it just takes a couple of seconds to lock. I know people are bringing in messages; they have children, just to take that second to just beep the car, and it'll it will yeah, stop it.
1: Yeah. I I know that stress uh, <laughs> criminal damage St John's Church in Kilkenny um, this was something that occurred on the 26th uh, just over the weekend Gone.
6: yeah that's right criminal damage of the church there um, it occurred on the 26th as you said this occurred at approximately 1555 we believe it was a male suspect that entered the church and caused damage to the Candle Shrine um, again Gardy, you're appealing to anyone who was in the church who have seen somebody acting suspicious or someone at it acting erratic around the time, to contact Kilkenny Garda Station again, please.
1: And a couple moments, time, we're going to be talking about romance fraud, which will be quite interesting, but we've got one more specific incident to deal with there before we get on to that, a burglary, uh, Kilcreen Hospital in Kilcreen Kilkenny.
6: That's right, this burglary occurred between the 24th and 25th of August, between the hours of 5pm uh, and 8am the following morning. The foreman discovered the electrical shut- electronic shutters were open and the wooden front door was open. And on closer inspection, he discovered that the doors were broken and the lock was on the ground. A head trimmers were taken to the value of seven hundred euro. Um, the fact that no other item was taken, the suspect may have been disturbed and was carrying out this burglary. Again, we're appealing to anybody who was in the area that may have seen any suspicious activity or suspicious car to contact Kilkenny Garda Station on 056-777-5000, please.
1: So that number again, 056-777-5000 for any information that you have on that. Rob, will you stay with us for a moment? We're going to take a short break, after which we're going to talk romance fraud.
0: KCLR Live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie.
1: Carlo, Kilkenny,
0: KCLR.
1: You're welcome back to KCLR Live. This morning with Brian Redmond, we're talking to Garda Ras, Rob Rasmussen as part of our community assist. Uh, Rob, romance fraud, I mean, we were talking during the break there. You said it's actually quite common. I mean, what sort of forms do romance fraud take?
6: Yeah, it's a relatively common issue, Brian, and and essentially it's fraud. And um, some people are being targeted and are being convinced to part with large sums of money through deception. It's perpetrated by groups who present a false online presence, and as the relationship progresses, they seek temporary loans, which increase as time goes on. Yeah, they build up trust with the people. Or they offer these so-called incredible opportunities not to be missed. And they use old school techniques, but but they're all through social media platforms. Often they've gathered information from the social media accounts. So the advice is to protect your data, review your social media profiles and adjust the permission to friends only on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Uh, Be careful what you share online as well. Um, blackmail can creep into some online relationships as well particularly if intimate photos have been shared the person in receipt of the photos threatened to send them to all of your contacts um, if you do not pay a ransom yeah. uh, this is an offence uh, to threaten us to distribute any intimate photos Brian and we would advise you to report any such incidents to your local guard station
1: I mean it, it's a difficult one because of the fact that obviously so many people out there may be looking for a romance or either on dating platforms or the general Absolutely. social media platforms these people that they, you could be interacting with with and it could start with a a simple like or thumbs up on on a picture that you've posted and oh good to see you again and they build up that that sort of relationship but you could be speaking to anybody anywhere in the world.
6: That's it and I know that these dating sites and people are looking to make a connection with somebody but there are people out there that would take advantage and um, we just want to give advice to people just to have your guard up a bit and just to be protect yourself and if anything like this happens if they're threatened with uh, blackmail? Just contact your local guard station straight away.
1: And obviously, the guards will always deal with that type of stuff with the utmost of uh, decency and respect and, and and privacy, totally confidential. Absolutely. Um, and you know, just just talk to people about the, the circumstance. I mean, thankfully, I've never had the um, the need to walk into a guard station to deal with an issue. Um, but if if I did, could I walk into the sergeant on duty at the, at the front desk and just say, "Listen, I need to speak to somebody. Can I do it privately?"
6: absolutely Brian you can come in and speak with the member in charge of any Garda station and you want to speak in privately that happens a lot we will bring you to a a private interview room we will take your details and we will be very discreet absolutely and it's all in confidence some people feel when they get um, something from online saying they're going to t- threaten to share their uh, an intimate photo to somebody in their contacts. Yeah. So come in and speak with us, we will treat it with the utmost respect and disc- and be as discreet as possible as well. Don't and leave people, continue to do this. To and you.
1: obviously I know you guys are hugely busy and I'm not suggesting in any way, shape or form that people turn it into a counselling service, but if you go in and engage with the guards in regard, does it immediately become a potential criminal investigation or can you simply go in and say, listen, this is happening. Do you think I should report it? I know I'm here in a guard station, but do you think I should report
6: it? Well, it's up to the injured party. Some uh, some people come in and they wish to proceed with a criminal uh, procedure, and that's absolutely fine. Some people come in and look for advice as well. That's no problem as well. We're always there to help the public, and we will give them advice or help them if they want to see if they want to press charges as well. As I said, we give advice um, to anybody that wants to come in and ask for it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to school, obviously. Um, darker evenings coming in. Everybody's going to be busy and running around the place. Um, yeah, uh, it's a challenging time because people tend to get so frazzled that thinking about home security, as we mentioned, with the cars can yeah. often drop down the pecking order in terms of things that are important.
6: That's it, absolutely, and I know that people are busy now with their kids going back to school, but just take that couple of seconds to lock up your car, especially your homes as well. A lot of burglaries happen in the morning um, when people are on the school run, and it only takes a couple of seconds for a window to be open, yeah. and your cars as well to lock them, and even if you're dropping your children at school, and it's only a couple of seconds, even Lock the door, school, set the alarm. Lock the door.
1: Yeah, yeah, makes all the difference. Garda Rab, Rasmussen bringing us this week's Community Assist. KCLR.
0: Community Assist with Carlo and Kilkenny Gardie.
1: There's lots more still to come. We've been asking you this morning, um, trying to give you away tickets uh, to our fairground attractions. We've got 10 sets of tickets each day this week a book of 10 tickets to give away to various different people Um, all thanks to our friends at Tremor Amusement Park wishing to thank their customers for the continued support right throughout 2023 because we've been talking so much this morning about county boundaries the question that we decided that we would ask you this morning is Tremor Amusement Park is in which County. 083 306 9696. That's our dinner's ready. Text and WhatsApp line. Get those entries in and we'll have a winner picked before we're off air a little bit later on this morning. Lots more to come. We're talking, of course, about the uh, the findings of that review into the uh, constituency report recommendations. Um, they are recommendations. You are fully aware of that, but I mean as, as we heard earlier on this morning, Malcolm Newman himself, the Minister for Heritage and Electoral Reform TD, said Al- although they're framed as being recommendations these are always just accepted by the door. they they're never challenged and that's obviously to maintain um, that impartiality from the political system itself so framed as recommendations but uh, no history of them ever been challenged and we'll be talking more about those with Councillor Hilda Cavanagh as of just after 20 past 11 so do keep those texts and WhatsApps coming in Oh wait, three, 96 time to take a short break
0: KCL or live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style. See fairgreen.ie Weekday mornings from 10 till 12. This is KCLR Live.
1: Yes, it's just coming up on the news at 11 o'clock, but coming after the news at 11, Carmel O'Connor, Smart Metering Manager for the ESB, uh, joins us to discuss a report that many people will have to carry out works at their home to get a new smart meter installed. Councillor uh, Mary Hilda Cavanagh, Fianna Gael, says she's shocked and appalled at the recommendations of the Electoral Commission review. And around about 25 to 12 this morning, we'll be talking Airbnb and the boost, the 9 million euro boost as reported by Airbnb. Airbnb to the Kilkenny economy just last year. Derek Nolan of Public Policy at Airbnb joins us in the next hour of the show. But now, at 11 o'clock, it's time to go over to Ashling Bolton Dowling in the newsroom. Thanks, Ashling. We've been hearing on the news over the last, uh, well, the morning. It's been first released from the FAI last night. Vera Powell's contract not going to be renewed as the head coach of the Irish women's soccer team. Were you surprised?
7: Y- mm, I mean, there has been a lot of discussion about it recently <laughs> and a lot of people not really happy with how she was treating some of the members on the team so yeah. um, no I'm not really surprised but at the same time like he, she did she was the manager who brought them you know to to the stage I, I at, thought so. it was
1: really interesting to hear the statement from the FAI quoting things like for example um, a historic moments in terms of bringing the, the women's team to that World Cup and lifting the mood of a nation you've achieved all those things but uh, no thanks very much we've it's, we've had enough
7: it's goodbye now kind of thing yeah, goodbye yeah.
1: it'll be interesting going forward I mean obviously um, it is the, the women's football team do you think they should really make an effort to try and find another female coach because of course many of the teams the female teams around the world are, at that level are actually coached by men
7: yeah I mean it would be great to have another female coach I mean you know um, she would understand what the women are going through um, but yeah I have no clue to be honest but yeah it would be definitely good to have more women yeah in soccer. I
1: think so I think it'd be nice to see if we can uh, get another female coach in there I'm sure there's many uh there's probably America would be a good place to look because women's soccer are huge in America and Ireland obviously a huge thing in in the American psyche maybe we'll get another female coach in from America Ashley thanks for your time this morning as always six minutes past 11 Ashley will be back with the news at 12 at 12.
0: KCL or live, with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo, with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets, and a state of the art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie.
1: Now, as we come into the time of the year where people start turning the lights on a little bit earlier, maybe some people are using electricity to heat their homes, the ability to manage and maintain the amount of electricity and power that you use is key made a lot easier, of course, by smart meters. But a report earlier on in the week suggested that tens of thousands of people may be forced to undertake renovations to have the energy-saving ESB smart meters installed in their homes. Joining us now to give us some more insight into what's required to install a smart meter, Carmel O'Connor, smart metering manager for the ESB, joined us this morning. Good morning, Carmel. morning, Brian. First of all, explain to people what a smart meter actually is
7: okay so a smart meter is basically the latest technology when it comes to meters so some people would still have old analog meters so anybody who has a, a meter say with a rotating disc they're maybe 30 40 years old uh, in the last 20 years we would have moved to digital meters so again a lot more customers would have uh, maybe 20 year old kind of digital meters and the smart meter is now the latest technology meter so that you it's a, it's a digital meter but it also communicates through uh mainly 2g uh back to esp network so it means that we can uh, pull information from the meter back in so you don't have to have a meter that's manually read and the manual readings would have only been taken maybe four times a year even though you could be getting billed six times a year so there'll be no more estimates or if the weather was bad you know like a meter reader might not look get out whereas we can now pull that information straight off the off the meter but one of the big advantages now of of a smart meter is the fact that you could actually opt to go into a time of use tariff so that's like a day night peak tariff or even an interval tariff so a lot of the suppliers you will see that they have a lot more offerings and it means that a customer can look at the way they use their electricity and decide well do you know what if i move my electricity usage this way or that way I can absolutely get better value for for you know get cheaper electricity I can I can improve my bills mm. um, for example we have a lot of electric vehicle customers now that are actually looking for a smart meter because I think four or five of the suppliers are offering a super cheap night rate for charging their electric vehicles but also if a customer has gone with solar panels or some other form of kind of micro-generation uh, on the roof, the vast majority, in fairness, are, are solar panels. The, the new smart meter also records exports, so the older meters wouldn't. And again, since I think February of this year, suppliers are now t- uh, paying for electricity that's, supported, uh, that's exported onto the, the network. So again, if you have your smart meter, and you have uh, solar PV and you're exporting uh, anything that you're not using yourself, you can get paid for it through your supplier as well. All of that through the smart meter.
1: And these smart meters, of course, current and Campbell, they're not just something that people who may have solar panels or EVs should be looking at because um, they're available to all and there's potentially huge savings to all if they use the smart meter data correctly. For a normal household, Absolutely. what sort of savings over the course of a year um, could be obtained by using a smart meter?
7: Oh, okay. Now, I probably can't go into that level of detail. What I can tell you is that every customer who has a smart meter, and we've we've rolled out, to date, we have 1.42 million smart meters are rolled out so we have 1.42 million customers who have a smart meter so even if you don't at the moment you don't you haven't opted into a smart tariff. for example a customer can set up a networks account so you can log on to esp networks and create your own account then you link your mprn and if you have a smart meter that's communicating and 98 percent of the smart meters that we have have out there have really good comms connections and are sending that meter that meter information back to us you can look at your half-hourly information so you can see the times of day that you're doing your cooking doing your doing whatever whatever you're doing whether you're you're doing laundry as you say if you have electric heating and you can actually then go and look at all of the options that suppliers are, are offering and you can say see what what way you could change the way you use your electricity uh, to save money. And as you say, it doesn't have to be somebody who's got an electric vehicle. For example, I don't have an electric vehicle and I often use myself as an example because one of the things I do is I heat my water with my immersion heater. And uh, I was looking and I was like, what is that? Oh,
1: Carmel, I can can feel the panic from every listener around Carlo and Kenny when they talk about, you know, that old Irish thing of heating. Turn that immersion off.
7: Exactly. But I I went to a standard smart tariff, so I have a cheaper night rate. So my uh, immersion comes on in the middle of the night and my water is hot all day. But I also know that a number of the suppliers are offering... uh, say, a free Saturday or a free Sunday. So I have a friend of mine who said she actually begrudges uh, going out on a Saturday because she does all her washing, she does batch cooking, she does everything on a Saturday because she's got a free Saturday. So, you know, a customer can have a look at the information and they can decide whether or not they can make savings by going for a free Saturday or going for a cheaper night rate mm. because they'll switch their immersion on or because they like the night rate is from 11pm to 8am. To so if you're somebody who's up at 6 o'clock in the morning, you could be thrown on your washing machine or your tumble dryer at an off-peak time and saving money that way. So different people will definitely make savings different different ways. And, you know, it'll be up to each individual customer to kind of look at what they can do a little bit differently. I would suggest that if you do nothing, obviously you're not going to change. And then it's also important to to note that when we exchange a meter, we do a like-for-like exchange. So nothing on a customer's bills Changes at all, yeah. unless they choose. So they can go look at the information and make choices. I think a lot of people think that they're going to be kind of maybe paying extra between 5 and 7 pm because they have a smart meter. Absolutely nothing changes with your bill. So you can go, you can look at what the supplier offerings are, look at the way you use your electricity, and then make your savings because you can move from off the peak and maybe make savings that way, or choose a free Saturday or a Sunday okay. and make savings that way. So d- Just lots of different offerings out there depending on who a customer's supplier actually
1: is. Two quick further question, Carmel, before we come on to the, the, the difficulties that people are having is, first of all, is there a charge for somebody to actually get a smart meter installed? And secondly, if you have a smart meter installed and are considering changing suppliers, Can that new supplier see that data and information and as a result of having that data make a better recommendation for you if you were to switch to them?
7: Yes and no. Right. So first of all, there is absolutely no charge for uh, an electric a change of the, the meter. The meter exchange is part of the cyclical replacement programs that ESB networks would be doing anyway with meters. Because like I say, there are some meters out there that are 30 or 40 years old and they need to be changed out anyway. Like we would always do asset replacement programs. I would say it's just in the previous few years because we were waiting for smart meters to come, maybe we didn't do as much asset replacement. And what we've done is we've accelerated uh, the exchange and that's why we're doing it over that like, four or five-year period that we're, we're, we're changing out millions of meters. And like I say, 1.42 million meters to date is pretty good. Like We're changing out maybe uh, approximately 10,000 meters a week, so we're doing really, really well. One of the advantages of a smart meter is that if a customer is changing supplier, because we can pull the, the reading straight off of the meter, it means that the changers, change of supplier process is absolutely happening more smoothly. Now a customer, like I say, can log on, create a networks account, they can download their interval data and they can go to a supplier or switching website and say, look, here's the way I've been using my electricity for the last year because I have had a smart meter, and I really know you don't have to use, you know, one of these estimated annual bills. You can see my actual usage and and a supplier or the switching site can give them that information. Now, I know the CRU currently have, uh, so that's the Commission for Regulation of Utilities, currently have a consultation that's out there that's around maybe making it easier for a customer to give that information to, say, a switching site. Um, so they have consultation it. and their idea would be that if a customer actually says, listen, the switching site can have access to my data, that ESB network would be able to provide that data. It's a little bit away, because it's only out of consultation. It would probably need IT changes. But we're getting there. We will, I would say within the next year or two, it will be exactly that. A customer can go either to their supplier or to a switching site and say, Get take you you can have my information via ESB network, okay. and then you tell me what suits me best basically. So on that t-
1: typical GDPR type thing. You, you can sort of give it to them, but they can't necessarily see it without that being done by you. So let's talk then and move on to the restrictions about uh, you know some forty almost forty two and a half thousand forty two thousand two hundred and ninety to be precise. Households couldn't have an energy saving meter installed due to technical challenges. What sort of form are those technical challenges taking, Carmel?
7: Okay, so so like I would suggest that the article headline, I think, was maybe a little bit of an exaggeration. Um, yes, the facts are that, that we have, uh, if about 50,000 customers that when we first made the visit we could not actually do that exchange. Now some of those reasons uh, are fairly straightforward um, and maybe we we did the exchange but there's a little bit of extra work that has to be done. Uh, Sometimes we have older cutouts um, so about 20% of that figure are uh, an extra bit of equipment that would need a a full outage and the, the so we didn't do that at that point in time. So mm. that means we have set up a call to go back to that customer. They may already have that have that meter uh, in there. But sometimes you might go in and uh, the meter is maybe at a height, and we are we are saving those where they might need the, the installer might need a platform, an insulated platform that it's a little bit more difficult. So again, the customer won't have to do anything, but we will actually be going back um next year because w- what we're doing is we're kind of gathering a lot of those calls now there was uh, a little bit of information in there that there is maybe up to about 10,000 maybe uh, eight and a half, seven eight and a half seven to, to ten thousand uh, customers out there who have done a couple of different things that have meant that when we went we were not able to do it so it could be that we need to exchange the back backboard again as part of this program we're not just exchanging the meters we're going out and if the if a backboard is rotten so that's what the meter is is, is connected to yeah we're changing out that like so we're fixing up like a lot of customers maybe would have had a, an outdoor meter cabinet where the door was hanging off we fixed that while we're out there as well so there's a lot of other bits and pieces of work so we have a, a quite a big population of that number where we've gone out and the customer has maybe had third-party equipment put onto the, the the backboard as well. So obviously, ES, from an ESB Network's point of view, we can't touch somebody else's equipment. I'm not saying that they should or shouldn't have put in extra equipment. I would yeah. say <laughs> probably shouldn't have. But there's something else there. So we have to liaise with that customer before we can do it because they're going to have to get whatever that equipment was but, well, we overall, yeah. you, you'd so say you overall understand?
1: that most of these people who um, uh, might have experienced those issues, as mentioned in this report, they're relatively simple issues that you guys yeah. at ESB but will the, actually be dealing yeah. with anyway.
7: We would, yeah, like I'd say that the, the article, the trust of the article was probably there's a small number of customers who maybe have meters in kitchens or something like that, and instead of maybe they were getting a new kitchen in and, and they decided rather than moving... The the meter, they didn't want to look at it and they might have put a press over the meter. So, we have another one. So, saying renovations again, we would say maybe modest remedial works is probably
1: okay. A better way to phrase it, Uh, probably. Yeah, yeah. Texas and WhatsApp was asking us things like uh, suggest energy savings is great, uh, but how do people who are renting or older people cope? Of course, anybody who's renting, it's, it's not necessarily an inhibitor to having a smart meter installed.
7: Oh, absolutely not. Um, like any anywhere where there is a meter, um, we will be exchanging the meter. And like I say, like we we we're we're starting on day night meters. So a lot of customers who might have night storage heating or that uh, they haven't been able to get a smart meter to the to, to date, um, unless they changed. To a day night peak and a lot of customers like where you know yourself you want to be sure before you, you opt into a standard smart tariff so from September in fact in another couple of weeks we have um, a new meter coming in which will be a day night smart meter so again there's about 270,000 of us customers where we will be changing out uh, the day night meters and that'll be a like for like exchange as well and then customers who have maybe small businesses or farms the three phase meter the smart three phase meter will be coming in early uh, next year as well so that, that will get the remainder. I know some customers who are renting have a, a prepay meter um, but again we will be exchanging the meter of record but the so that there will be extra information there as well, even okay. if the prepay meter is also in the
1: premises. Yeah, and um, just a final question for you, Carmel, um, a text was suggesting that they've had their smart meter installed, um, but information not live yet two months later. Is there a delay between the install of a smart meter um, and somebody who's going onto a smart tariff actually having oh, access to that type okay, of information? Okay,
7: well, that, that, that sounds, uh, so there's a 30-day proving period. So when we put in a smart meter, we wait 30 days to see whether the comms is communicating all the time, um, like like so that we're getting uh, information every day or sometimes it might be that it's in a, an area, like there are some locations where if the building is surrounded by trees, you know, uh, you might have um, good comms for the winter, but when there's leaves on the trees, the comms might be poor, so that, that maybe you might not be suitable for half-hourly meter, uh, meter readings. Um, and we have maybe if your premises, uh, if you're in an apartment block and all of the meters maybe are in the basement behind a metal yeah, door. Yeah. So we're, we're doing all of those checks. Those checks only take 30 days. So after that, your supplier will know whether you have good enough comms to get half hourly information or whether it's just day night peak and even if there's no comms it's important to say that a customer can go onto a day night peak tariff and a meter reader will take that information off, off so even if you're one of that very small two percent where the meters are not communicating every day uh, you
1: can still go on a day camera so it, it's, it's, it's really really, really
7: months, I'm not sure about.
1: no it's really, really interesting because I mean right. there's so many people actually texting us and WhatsApping us questions now all, almost all of them positive and the, the general gist of it is people asking um, how can I get my smart meter installed where can I find out if I'm due to get my smart meter installed is there a website or a contact information that we can give people to wrap yeah, things up uh, the, the,
7: the ESB networks website um, is is live has a lot of information we're actually working in every single location um around the country now and i did look up for like what we call the kilkenny planner group which would cover kilkenny Carlow. like it's a big area yeah. and 85 percent of the meters in in kilkenny Parlo, that's the mcc01 single phase, phase meters uh ha- have been installed so we've really good like over thirty-eight thousand meters are installed but if you haven't got one it could be because you're on a day night tariff and that's coming over the next couple of months but even ring, uh, if you look at our website, we have a dedicated smart metering uh, line in the call center so a customer can ring in and uh, we can check. But I would say most of your customers, if they don't already have a smart meter, it could be just that they're waiting for this okay. day-night exchange. Which so will be coming fairly
1: much. soon, but check out ESB Networks yes. if you need any more information. Uh, Carmel O'Connor, yes. um, smart metering manager with ESB, very informative, very helpful to all the listeners out there. Thanks very much for your time this morning. Thanks. It's all available on ESB Networks if you need to find out any more information. 23 minutes past 11 o'clock now. Coming up after this short break, we'll be discussing those county boundary changes with Councillor Mary Hilda Cavanaugh
0: Kcl or live with thanks to fairgreen shopping center Carlo helping you step out of the sweatpants and into style see fairgreen.ie.
1: Carlo, Kilkenny, KCLR. Yes, you're very welcome back to KCLR Live. 26 minutes past 11 o'clock. I'm joined in studio by Councillor Mary Hilda Cavanagh. Um, obviously, she's a Fianna Gale Councillor and she's um, not too happy uh, with what we've heard this morning with the news of the redrawing of the electoral um, boundaries. Um, our Honourable Winnie race has been out and about this morning getting people's views and opinions and we'll have a listen to some of them before I speak in a moment to uh, Mary. Have a listen to this. Hey,
8: we're here in Tull in the next general election, you'll be voting for a Tipperary TD. Uh, how do you feel about that?
9: God, it wouldn't be great, you know what I mean? I'd rather you know I mean, be voting in Kilkinny, you know what I mean? i, I to I know how it'll go, I'd to know like, reason, you know what I mean? I, you know, and I couldn't say, actually.
8: Does it surprise you that uh, this decision has been taken to yeah, take 6,500
9: votes? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yes, I do surprise me, actually, yeah. yeah. I do surprise me, yeah.
8: And you're here in uh, big Phil country, Phil Hogan, from this area. What do you think he would have said uh, about a, a suggestion like this?
9: I couldn't actually say now. Phil wouldn't like it that day either, actually. You know what I mean? I think myself, he wouldn't like it. Maybe he would, but uh, I couldn't see anyone any liking it. When they're changing, they like that. You know what I mean?
8: What do you think the mood will be here in Tullerone?
9: I tell you, it's hard to know. It's hard to know, the mood. Isn't it? Hard to know, actually. I don't know. Because it's coming so fast and it's changing so fast. It's hard to know.
8: Would you be familiar with the Tipperary TDs or who you might be looking at now for the next election yourself?
9: I wouldn't be really familiar with them. I would not, no, no. Some of them there probably, would know, I wouldn't be really familiar. I would not, know, no.
1: Well, we've heard from some of our local TDs this morning. Uh, time to hear from one of the councillors, Councillor Mary Hill the uh, Thank you very much, first of all, for coming into studio this morning. You heard that gentleman there saying he wouldn't be very familiar uh, with the Tipperary TDs. Not surprising, I suppose
10: not remotely surprising um, as long as he's familiar with his local councillors <laughs> uh, that's the main thing at this stage and I'd say he probably is but um, I mean I'm absolutely reeling for the shock I my computer was out of order and that was going to be the biggest crisis in my life this morning because I had some council work to do and then I got a call from KCLR without having heard the 8 o'clock headlines mm. and I thought it was a joke I mean to say that I'm shocked and disappointed uh, is to put it mildly now I'm thinking more of the people. I would know who the, the Tipperary Count t- TDs would be and I would know how to handle problems that will come to me but of a national level. I'll just get on to the Tipperary TD. But from the local people, to expect them to identify with Tipperary TDs or any other TDs outside of their own is a bit rich. Yeah. And it's no reflection on Tipperary people. And Tipperary has been on everybody's mind continuously since last Saturday morning. Of course, with and all the again, tragedies. And again, back again, and more tragedy this morning. And we are sending our condolences and our prayers and our sympathies to all the people of Tipperary. It's been an appalling time for them. But in the scheme of things, I suppose what we're talking about is minor, but on the political front, it's absolutely mature. And I, I think that um, just suddenly, like there, there was speculation that Ferrybank might go into Waterford. Yeah. And there was fear because of the intended Waterford grab of our land in the past. And I'd like to assure the people of North Kilkenny that there's no question of annexation of lands and hurlers and all things good in North Kilkenny into Tipperary. It's purely an electoral boundary change. But that being said, I'll still be their councillor hopefully for the next six years. I'm contesting the local election um, again next year Mm -hmm. and I have another year to run. So I'm there for them as will the other councillors in the area be there for them. But if there are problems at national level for the next year, their TDs are still the ones that always were. But once the general election is called all will change and we'll be voting to February for the first time in our lives
1: yeah it's interesting I mean because the, the commission frame it as recommendations um, but yeah I, I put this to Malcolm Noonan this morning and and he confirmed that yes technically the wording is that these are recommendations but he said to separate the political from the, the practical at local level he said these recommendations are always taken they're always just accepted at all levels so although we are talking about what are recommendations this is a face of complete
10: it has to be a to accompli because when you appoint independent people to do a review and you interfere with it, well, that's political interference yeah. and it's gerrymandering and it's all things that were bad in the past. So I think this, the recommendations, I don't doubt the fact that the recommendations will be ratified. But that being said, I think that people sh- shouldn't, immediately react. I got several texts this morning to say, is it really true you're going to Tipperary? Like the local, the county of Kilkenny remains sacrosanct as every county should. There should be no question of any land grab or any border changes. And we're a very proud people in Kilkenny. And from, as I said, the the fear in Ferrybank to the reality in North Kilkenny, it absolutely beggars belief. And I think that people sitting down with a pen and paper, just looking at a map and population shifts and then just shifting without putting foot into the counties in question and it's not just us, I'm sure there are huge changes elsewhere, I haven't had time to look at them Mm. and I'm not particularly interested either I have to say, but from my own perspective, um, you know, it would be nice if councillors were consulted. If officials were consulted, and above all, if the people on the ground were consulted. Yeah. Well, talking and, about yeah.
1: the, talking about the people on the ground, as we said, Edwina Grace was out this morning, yeah. and um, she's gotten comment from more of them. Let's have a little listen to this little uh, viewpoint.
8: Are you from Tullerone?
1: Yeah, I'm from
11: Tullerone, yeah.
1: yeah.
8: What do you think of this boundary rejig?
11: I don't agree with it at all. No, no, I don't agree with it. No, no, I think it's uh, we had it down in water direction. There were a problem down there as well. And, seems to be the same thing up here now. I don't agree with it, no.
8: How do you feel about voting for a temporary TD in the next general election?
11: I don't feel right. I don't think it's right, no. I don't think so, no. I'd sooner leave it the way it was. That's the way I want. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Why? Well, I don't know. It's just we're in Kilkenny and that's it and I don't think it's... No, I don't think, no. I think I'd sooner leave it the way it is, yeah. Would, yeah, yeah.
8: Do you think a, tipperary, a TD based in Tipperary would um, adequately look after people living over the border here in Kilkenny?
11: Well, I don't know anything about that, but I just, I don't agree with it That's that mm-hmm. like I mean, I, I'd sooner leave it the way it was like, that mm-hmm. like you know, So I'm, on my life, uh, voted in Kilkenny, so mm-hmm. I'd like to leave it that way. That's the way I'd like to leave it, yeah.
8: And of course, this uh, once a stronghold of a former TD, Phil Hogan, yeah. um... Mm-hmm. What do you think he might make of it all? Well, I don't know.
11: I, 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 well, no, I wasn't talking to the man. I don't know what he's. did, but I, I presume he'd sooner have it the way it is, I'd say it is. I mean, the way it is, like, I don't think so. I don't know. I I, I wasn't talking to the man, so I don't know what way it would be like, you know, but I, I'd sooner leave it the way it is anyway. would yeah.
12: Huh?
11: Why? Well, why? Uh, it's just... I don't know. I, I uh, Everything like in between. Uh, I mean, I, I can't see anything wrong with the way it is at the moment. So I, I don't, I, I don't. Why change it? Like it's there should be no change. I don't think so. Like I mean, you know, I think the way it is at the moment, it's okay. Mm. Do yeah. Mm.
8: And fierce uh, county rivalry here between.
12: Oh,
11: there would be. Yeah. there yeah. would be yeah with the hurling and everything like that, but. Apart from that, like I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I I I see nothing wrong with the way. I think it's working okay at the moment. That's it, like I mean. So I just don't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't be far it no.
1: As that man said, he thinks it's working okay at the moment. Uh, uh, Councillor Hildickham, it's. We've got to talk about the practicalities of this for people because, you know, people will be very passionate about their, their counties. They'll be very passionate about voting in elections and they'll deal with that and they'll go to the ballot boxes and they'll select a candidate from from the names that are on the, the paper in front of them on that day. But they've got to live their lives for the next... However long it is before the next general election, and they'll be asking and wondering questions like, "Well, if I do have a problem, be it with a road or this, do I, who do I ring now? Do I ring Tipperary County Council? Do I ring Kilkenny County Council? I, I, you know, is is is, is Councilor Mary Hill, the cabinet, still going to pick up the phone? Talk to the people about uh, how those practicalities are going to work."
10: Well, I'd say to the people, I'm a member of Kilkenny County Council for the last forty-nine years, and I represent on major decisions all of the county. Then. I'm a member of the Castlecomer Municipal District. That's North Kilkenny and it goes round in a horseshoe shape yeah. around the city. But on a practical level, you'll never know everybody in a municipal district, but I do know I could honestly say I pretty much know everybody of the area that's now been hived off to the North Tipperary constituency. 90% As You said of you hardly
1: our- ever crossed the bridge. <laughs>
10: I know. Well, normally I would go as far as Ballaraggett. When I'm canvassing, and I canvass every house, and I tend to canvass on my own, so as I get to know my people, and I feel I have got to know them. They've got to know me, so they're picking up the phone to me. Anybody in the North Kilkenny area, and indeed people from elsewhere in the country will also ring you, but you'll pass that on to somebody else. But the thing is, 90% of the people that vote for me are now being put into. Not Tipperary for Dáil elections, but they are still very much in County Kilkenny, in the Ballaragus or the Castlecomer district, as it's now known, for local elections. There, nothing is going to physically happen to their county. Nothing is going to take their problems away, and they will not be going to Tipperary TDs over the next until the next local election. But they, if they have matters of national um, p- prominence or whatever way you want to f- frame it. They can still go to their councillors and their councillors, their Kilkenny councillors, will put them onto their temporary councillors or deal with the problem as they can and, and sort it out. But just temporary TDs will be s- sorting the things yeah. at national level. It's very hard to get your head around it in the beginning because I'm just reflecting on the text that I got this morning. People said... It's the end of the road for you, Mary Hilton Kilkenny. Imagine you gone to Tipperary at this stage after all the years. But I'm not gone anywhere. Yeah. I will still hopefully be a member of Kilkenny County Council after the next election.
1: And Mary, it's, it's going to take everybody a while to get their heads around this, because even texters like asking me questions. And uh, I mean, it's only since, what, half past eight this morning, the news breaking, and, and, and I'm sure we look at it in a little bit more detail over the coming days here on Casey at All Life. But this texter saying, Brian, tell me if I'm wrong, but looking at the map, is it true to say that a person living and voting in Tullerone could be voting for a guy, or indeed a girl, uh, living over the bridge in Port Umna in, K- in, in County Galway. That's in the north tip um, electoral area, by the way. Um, and that's uh, amazing to look at the map of Ireland in that way. Um, it's it's going to be confusing for people to get their heads around this for a while.
10: It is, because as Kilkenny people, in our heads, we can see the map Kilkenny in our heads when we look at it. And the idea that somebody from Lizjowney or Tullerone or Galmoy, for that matter, where we are in between the boundaries of um, chip and Leash, and uh, half my parish of Galmay is in County Leash. But you think that next door neighbours, one person will be, could be voting for somebody over on the Galway border, as you've <laughs> yeah. said, and somebody else could be voting for somebody in Port Leash, the next door neighbour. It beggars belief. And as I said, faceless people who sat down with just a map and they drew a circle round and they had the populations in front of them since the last census. And if we had to see this coming, but we didn't, we might have prepared ourselves and the people might have been able to get their heads around it, but it'll take a long time. But the local elections won't be affected. They'll come and go. And when we get into those houses, all of us that represent North Kilkenny, we'll explain to them. But I don't think explanations will be enough. Yeah, I mean, we, we speak But to... our hurlers are going nowhere. Our county's going nowhere. There'll be no question of an annexation or a land grab or whatever happened in the south. They attempted land grab. That won't happen. But it's just the sheer shock this yeah. morning.
1: And we spoke to many of the TDs this morning. We had we had um, Malcolm the Minister for Heritage and Electrical Reform. We had Kathleen Funcion. We had Jennifer Monane O'Connor. We had John McGuinness. And I have to say, both on air and indeed in little conversations that we would have passing corridors off oh air, none of these guys had an abs- in any sort of sense that this was coming. It seems to have been a shock and a surprise to everybody.
10: Absolutely not. I was talking to Edwina just on my way in here and she was out and about in South Kilkenny asking people... You know what they think it was going to be like for them. You know next Wednesday or whatever, and then mm-hmm. we were told it was the figures, the facts wouldn't be released until one o'clock. Yeah. So that's the shock that it came several hours early before it was leaked. That was a shock that it wasn't leaked. But the thing is, um, I'd say to go into the street in Ireland for today, and there are quite a number of Tipperary people living in Kilkenny who would know their TDs before they got married. Yeah, of course. But yeah. that's neither here nor there. It's just. The, it's the enormity of it as well. It's right over to Liz Downey and including Freshford. Yeah. Freshford is the town of Freshford is eight miles from Kilkenny. Um, and now they're going into the administrative area of <laughs> Nina when you think about it, you know, yeah. if it's not a North Tip area. We, tip we've
1: of. mentioned it a couple of times, but just to give people that visual, the part of North Kilkenny that sort of juts out towards that tip, basically all of it has been cut off, right from Liz Downey through Freshford all the way over uh, down to, to Um Somebody suggesting, and I'm sure you wouldn't agree with them, um, the easiest way to deal with this is just don't vote for any of them.
10: <laughs> I don't agree with that because I think that people lay down their lives to... For the right to vote and women in particular women actually got killed way back 100 years ago when they were trying to get votes for women i think people should vote um even if they it, it, and they should vote for somebody it might not be who i'd like them to vote for but i think it's terribly important to exercise your franchise uh, but i think that's that will be the biggest fear that it, people won't vote that yeah. i think that will be the biggest fear because if i was over in liz downey or and the Tree Castle side of Freshford. And I was thinking of voting for somebody in North Prairie like over Roundney or somewhere. It's a hundred miles away from them. Yeah, physically it might even be near enough to that. But I think of it slightly differently. Insofar as I taught uh, my teacher was in South Teprairie Tipper- now, not North Tipperary, and very near me. I was able to go to school in half an hour and I went to school in South Tipperary, And then we would have an awful lot of friends in North Teprairie. And I would know the councillors well and I would know the TDs well. But for the ordinary man of the street that has no great interest in politics, but would like to vote, it will be very hard for them to identify and it will be virtually impossible for the candidates to come in and canvass North Kilkenny. They may should they know, get lost so they they'd be not. ringing
1: you for looking for directions <laughs> <laughs> where do we go from here or there well, um, and as I
10: said <laughs> my comments and my thoughts and I'm sure the comments of all of the people that you've spoken to this morning is no reflection on Tipperary County or its people they're grand decent people and we have loads of staff members of Kilkenny, uh, staff as, uh, in Kilkenny County Council who are from over the border in Tipperary and we get on very well with them
1: will you be going out and buying yourself a, a blue and gold jersey
10: <laughs> no, I won't. But some, some other very kind person said, now just. Chance to Sanbury Hill. You're still not too old. Now's your chance to the doll next time around. But listen, Beyond the Tipperary ticket.
1: It, it is interesting. Represent Kilkenny in, <laughs> in Tipperary. Um, it is interesting. I mean, you know, we here at Casey or we're here to, to air the views of everybody across all of Carlo and all of Kilkenny, as, as the TDs have said this morning. But we've already got a large part, for example, of, of South Kilkenny who feel disenfranchised by their own political representatives, you know, in and around. Ferrybank, is there a danger that we're going to have a similar sort of thing happen now in North Kilkenny as well?
10: I don't think so. As I understand Ferrybank, Watford City Council bought land in County Kilkenny and built houses there and house their own people there. Yeah. So that's why there's such a um, disengagement or a feeling of disengagement. But I think Ferrybank, you know, has been well represented by the TDs in Carlo Kilkenny. And I heard a small snippet of, of, of some of the TDs on my way in this morning. And they do represent Carlo Kilkenny. You never hear anybody saying, I'm a TD from Kilkenny or I'm a TD from Carlo. They might be born and rare there, but they do represent the constituency very well. And we feel very let down, I suppose, by what has happened in Waterford at third level that we have not campus in Kilkenny. But that's for another day. But at the same time, uh, being part of North Tree Prairie isn't going to enhance us nationally, in my opinion, but I'll still fight to the death for anything that I want. I yeah, I'm sure I've you will.
1: Can, Councillor Mary Hilda Cavan, I hope you get the... Uh the computer sorted out and I'm sure when you open it'll be a tonne of emails in there from from all your friends around Norcal Kelly wondering what's going on this morning thanks for joining us thanks for your time this morning and coming into studio 17 minutes to Thank 12 o'clock here you. on KCLR Live
0: KCLR Live with thanks to the Fairgreen Shopping Centre gift card the perfect gift for all occasions see fairgreen.ie Carlo Kilkenny
1: KCLR Yes it's KCLR Live with Brian Redmond this morning do keep those guesses coming in for the competition to pick up the prize um, for that uh, fairground in Tremor I'm not going to tell you what county that's in because that's the question that we've been asking you this morning to win that book of 10 tickets just text or WhatsApp us on our 306 9696 let me know what county Tremor is in currently hasn't changed just yet and uh, our very own Emil Glacklin will pick out a winner and bring it to studio uh, before we're off air and we'll give somebody a little bit of good news before 12 o'clock now somebody that is bringing good news is Derek Nolan head of public policy at Airbnb because in 2022 Airbnb not only contributed Contributed 9 million euros to the economy of kilkenny it also helps support 80 jobs right across the county and joining us to tell us more about how airbnb does similar and what the future looks like in that um, the, the, the hospitality sector is as i said derek nolan head of public policy at airbnb good morning derek
13: very good morning to you, Brian.
1: Well, I mean, Kilkenny, a huge tourist attraction, and uh, Airbnb now doing great work in terms of helping to support that industry. Um, Were you surprised by the findings?
13: I think we were, Brian. So what what we did was we gave all of our data that we would have from the platform to uh, Oxford Economics, who are a very reputable um, economic think tank based in the UK, and asked them to kind of put together a picture of how we impacted Ireland's tourism industry in 2022. And we were really surprised, or I certainly was, by some of the figures that came back. And what we saw was that a huge movement of what would have traditionally been the hotspots, which was Dublin, um, right across to the west to the rest of Ireland. And so, like, people leaving Dublin uh, and just being kind of like to every little corner, nook and cranny of the country, including Kilkenny um, and Carlo, where I know some of your listeners are. And we've seen that some of the, 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 the uh, economic impacts, as you say, are, are pretty huge. So in 2022, for example, Airbnb guests, would have spent ten million euro in County Kilkenny um, and that would be on the back of seventy nine thousand guest nights. Um, so 79,000 79, people overnight. stay in Kilkenny in Airbnb's. It's not it's, it's not people. What it is is it's kind of, it's guest nights. It's the kind of the economic term for registering kind of how long someone stays. So a guest night is how many people. So if there were three of you and you stayed four nights, that's twelve nights. Ah, okay, so it's like it, it's a cumulative. function It's still a huge a number, though. So it's still it's still a huge number. Um, and it's, it's kind of, Airbnb is this, and, and, and our hosts, and just for some of your listeners, because I, I know not everybody has, has used Airbnb or has, has had the opportunity to stay in an Airbnb. Airbnb is a platform, but we work very closely with our hosts. And our hosts are people all over Ireland, in Carlow, in Kilkenny, who share, you know, it's starting from a room in their own home to a converted garage, to a segregated space of their house, to their own holiday home when they're away. Um, and that's kind of who our hosts are. And they, they hosted, as I say, um, you know, thousands and thousands of people, and if it was all in one spot, you'd think that was an incredible, you know, incredible hotel or incredible investment. But because it's so dispersed, it kind of doesn't go 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 as see it should be, I think, and as appreciated the impact it has. And the great thing about Airbnb, and this is, I think, why it's been such a huge success all over the world, is it doesn't just attract people to. You know the the real centre. So well, like everybody knows that Kilkenny City is one of the most beautiful and like in best cities in 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 the country. and um, but it also going you know, to sends people further afield, you know out outside up the boreans uh, and out to little villages and stuff around Kilkenny and in the country, so that you really need to see that dispersal of tourism and that tourism euro going further. And what we've seen is in the figures, so uh, for that spend that goes, about half of it goes to the host. so about half of it goes to people? in Kilkenny who are providing the accommodation, but the other half then goes to coffee shops, cafes, restaurants, Mm. crap shops, you name it, all across the county, and has that knock-on effect in terms of jobs. And as you said yourself, uh, 80 jobs we think are directly linked to that spending in Kilkenny. But
1: well, when we look at sort of similar sort of detail on a national level, Airbnb-linked spending represented approximately 10.5% of all international tourism-related spending across the island of Ireland. And the report values Airbnb's total contribution to Ireland's GDP at over £500 million. In t twenty two, what's that trend looking like in terms of that expenditure? Is it significantly up on previous reports that you may have conducted?
13: I think what we're, we're seeing is that the two things. One, um, the biggest spending is coming from international guests, and that's always been the case. Um, you know, if, if you get the, the international tourist, they come, they hire a car, and um, they generally spend longer. Your domestic guests will kind of will might spend a weekend or a few days. Um, So we're seeing, you know, a lot of international spending, and that's where a lot of the the, the, it's going. Um, And we're seeing that the 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 breakdown of the spending, as I say, the hosts retail gets about, you know, two of every ten euros, food and beverage gets one fifty out of every tenner, and transport about, you know, seven 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 percent. So we're really seeing it going in those different different ways. But as I say, the big thing we're seeing is just that move away from from Dublin. like the, what, what really surprised us was that the Southwest, so if you take Cork and Kerry, as many people stayed there as stayed in Dublin in 2022. Um, and then you're seeing, you know, really impressive figures for the likes of Kilkenny, as I say, Kilkenny getting 79,000 guest nights, um, in 2022. And, and I think that is the change. One of the things we've really seen, uh, is that, um, people's holiday preferences have changed. And I think that has a little bit to do with the pandemic where you know, people want to spend time together now. People were away from each other for so long. If you remember, you know, we were all locked course, up yeah. and not able to go. That we weren't able to go. I think we've all kind of suppressed that memory. But one of the things that, that kind of the muscles that was built is a desire when we travel now to spend time together. Um, and families like I just just see it from anecdotally from friends. They like to go down to uh, down the country and spend a bit of time with their parents and the grandkids in the one place that they're having breakfast together or they're having lunch together and they're spending that quality time that you wouldn't get in other forms of accommodation yeah. and I think that's where the rich, the rich difference is coming along there's like such a really good place and an important place for hotels and traditional accommodation in Kilkenny some of the best hotels in Ireland are in Kilkenny but there's also that I think other option that is really important for local tourism and I think it's here to stay, and it's, it's something that's very valuable to, to local economies.
1: And Derek, obviously the Airbnb success story has been growing and growing globally over the last uh, probably a decade now, maybe slightly more even. Um, but obviously other people have commented at times that it's also been a factor in, for example, contributing to the housing crisis with the, you know many people who might have the luxury of a second property. Instead of selling it back into the market, you know, keeping it and using it for Airbnb. How has regulation of Airbnb changed uh, over that last decade?
13: So I, you're absolutely right, Brian, and not, not to bore your listeners, but Airbnb started when our CEO and his friend were so broke in San Francisco that they put an airbed on their on their, <laughs> on their their living room floor and rented it to someone for, I think, 40 bucks a night or something like that. And that idea gave them, let's set up a website to do this, and now it's one of the biggest travel companies in the world. And our CEO is still our CEO. He's still the same guy. Is he still letting out the
1: airbed, the or has he got a, a slightly bigger house now with more airbeds <laughs> and he can rent <laughs> down them? <laughs>
13: yeah Brian he certainly has a lot bigger house, possibly houses than he had at the time but you know what he still rents out a room he, he, he still rents out a room he, he thinks it's really important um, and he encourages all of us who, who, who have anything to do with Airbnb to understand the product to meet guests to meet hosts uh, and if we don't understand, you know, what drives people, then we're not good. Then the business won't succeed, and that's, I think, one of the things I really enjoy about working for. for I must Airbnb.
1: have, I must try and look that up, Derek. I'd say it's probably a nice little pill somewhere in the back garden. But go on anyway. You're telling us about how Airbnb has changed.
13: <laughs> at, at at the very least. And I think, you know, Airbnb's success has taken everyone by surprise. Um, you know, it's, it is just, it is huge. There are f- over 4 million listings all over the world now. There's very few countries that we're not, um, that were not actually in. very few towns and villages that we're not in. You know, I think like the places we're not in is Iran and North Korea and the like, uh, where you know, obviously you wouldn't want to be active there. But what, what that does is that it does, just to your point, uh, and not to avoid it, it does bring up that question of what's the balance? What is the balance between tourism and what is the balance between housing? Um, And I think the first thing I always point out is, um, and people really get wise when they hear this, the typical host on Airbnb uh, rents a property for three nights a month um, and earns between five and €6,000 a year. So that's our typical host. Mm. Um, And then there are people who have, as you say, uh, a holiday home. um, And a lot of those people who have holiday homes, it's very Irish. Uh, You know, they're born in Kilkenny and they they go to Dublin to work and they might inherit a house and they might have a house to be near the parents. I'm from Galway. I don't have a holiday home in Galway, but I can understand the, the desire to, to to from living in Dublin to be able to get down and have something like that.
12: Yeah.
13: And that that, that property is never going to go onto the long term rental market. Um, and I think what we need to do is get that balance right because I'm not going to deny for a second that housing isn't an issue. Um, I know for a fact that it's an issue in Kilkenny, for example, and in Kilkenny City in particular. Um, but it's how do we get that balance right because. Short-term rentals aren't the, the cause of the housing crisis, um, but we do need to make sure that we get the balance right in places like that. And I know there's work going on in government to do, this, to do that. The other thing I would say is people want to know that when the rules in place, they're followed. Um, and that's, I think, something that we are working very closely with the government on, to make sure that when, we, when, when there are rules in place that they're followed. And we're, what we think is the solution there is the solution that works all over the world. Okay. And that's a, a registration system. And I think we will see that next year. But I do think it's important that that registration system, one, makes sure the rules are followed, but two, protects the host protects people, protects those jobs and those coffee shops and those tourist attractions and gets the balance right between housing and tourism and making sure that everyone benefits.
1: Well, Long May Airbnb continues to bring tourists to both Clare and Carlo. Derek Nolan, Head of Public Policy at Airbnb in Ireland. Thank you very much for your time this morning. It's five minutes to twelve o'clock.
0: KCLR Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre, Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie
1: KCL. Yeah, just coming up on three minutes to 12 o'clock. We're almost done for the day, but just about enough time left to do this. Yes, all this week, our friends at Tremor Amusement Park have given us uh, books of ten tickets to go and visit them down at their fabulous attractions. The question that we were asking you this morning, given that talk of changing country boundaries, was in which county is Tremor, it is of course County Waterford and the correct guesser this morning Michelle Byrne is uh, from Moon Coin congratulations to Michelle book of 10 Tickets to go and visit the good people um, at the Tremor Amusement the Park is on its way to you. Um, I hope you had a good morning. Don't forget, John Keane will be with you um, on John Keane's show between 12 and 4, bringing you some great entertainment news and some music and just keeping you company right throughout the afternoon. Thanks to all of our guests this morning, all the various TDs from Carlo and Kilkenny. Of course, Rob Musen was the guard who brought us community assist this week. Carmel O'Connor talking about smart meter and lots of you interested in that and as we said uh, you can check out uh, ESB their website They'll give you all the information if you need any further information just go on and check out ESB smart meters and you'll be good to go from there councillor Mary Hilda Kavanagh talked about her shock and a um, at the change and the recommendations from the electoral Commission Review and Derek Nolan, Head of Public Policy at Airbnb telling us of the success story that is Airbnb here in Kilkenny and indeed right across the globe. Thanks to all of the team on KCLR Live this morning. Thanks to the guys Andrew phones. Thanks to Amy McLaughlin for producing this morning. Um, we'll be back with you tomorrow's Thursday just in case you're wondering. Um, the week, believe it or not, is almost done. Take care. I'll talk to you in the morning.
0: KCLR Live with thanks to Fairgreen Shopping Centre Carlo with a fantastic range of shops, food outlets and a state-of-the-art IMC cinema. See fairgreen.ie.